Welcome to a special episode devoted to the astonishing new film, The Wonder. Here's author Emma Donoghue. There was an interesting interview recently with several of the women who have starred in Sebastian's films. And what several of them said was, uh, he doesn't treat us as women, he just treats us as full people. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith. And today I'm joined by writer-director Sebastian Lelio to talk about his new film, The Wonder, which is on Netflix now and has been nominated at the BAFTA Film Awards and the Girls on Film Awards. Our male ally is joined by Emma Donoghue, the writer of the novel that the film was based on, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Sebastian Lelio and Alice Birch. Emma Donoghue's novels include Room, which was made into an Oscar-winning film starring Brie Larson. Sebastian's previous films include A Fantastic Woman, Gloria Bell and my personal favourite, Disobedience, a lesbian drama set in the Jewish community. The Wonder is another incredibly powerful film from Sebastian. It's set in Ireland, 1862, 13 years after the Great Famine. Florence Pugh stars as Lib, a nurse who's asked to watch over an 11-year-old girl called Anna, who claims not to have eaten for four months. It's a moving watch and features riveting performances from Pugh and newcomer Keeler Lord Cassidy. Thumbs up. And eyes wide open. Are you nervous at all? Why should I be nervous? Do you know the dangers of a prolonged fast, Anna? I don't eat sweets. I live a manor. From heaven. Here are Sebastian and Emma. I would love to welcome you both to Girls on Film, the feminist film podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much. Delighted to be on. A big fan of both your work and a big fan of The Wonder. Um, tell me, when did you both first meet? One of us should know this. 2017. Oh, excellent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Five years ago. And um, I have to say, I was just blown away by Sebastian's intelligence um, on day one. And not just general intelligence, but how quickly he grasped everything that was going on in my novel, The Wonder. But that's because I loved the novel. And, uh, and I didn't know back then if what I was like reading between lines had anything to do with your intentions or, you know, you never know. But, um, but I thought that the combination of, um, you know, this gri- gripping narrative, sort of like that spiral sap in, with increasing, increasing tension, the delicate uh, social context where the things are happening, um, the ext- extremely delicate relationship between the nurse and the girl, that sorority, and the role of stories in, 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 in that community's lives, stories that are inherited versus stories that are chosen. I thought that was mag- magnetic, beautiful, and a great territory to explore in through cinema. Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, what, what made you think, I mean, you were absolutely correct and you've made a, a tremendous film out of it, but what 
what sort of sparked your imagination from a cinematic perspective when you were reading it? Were you kind of visualising how it was ultimately going to look? Well, I mean, it's hard to read a story that happens in Ireland with landscapes and not have the ghost of uh, David Lean. Kind of like, oh, uh, Ryan's daughter, and how am I going to cope with that if I ever make this film? Um, but no, I, I also really, I mean, I could see the characters because it, it, it is a novel where words matter and what they say matter and the characters are so beautifully shaped and, and vivid that uh, that's also something I really love to do in film. And I think that that, that was another good reason to, yeah, to, to try to convince Emma that I might be, you know, that I could make maybe made a film out of this. Yeah, I, I was not difficult to convince, I should say, <laughs> because at first I was like, OK, who's this guy from the other end of the earth? Mm. What's his interest in this? But then um, they sent me links to um, a fantastic woman. And then soon after I saw Disobedience. So I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy will be able to make the wonder. No problem. And mm. um, it would be much harder to get the kind of film that I'd wanted out of someone who had less of a superb openness to, to everything that is going on inside a woman's head, you know? And there was a, an interesting interview recently with several of the women who have starred in Sebastian's films. And what several of them said was, uh, he doesn't treat us as women, he just treats us as full people, you know? So, so um, and to, to make films that focus on women, that's in no sense a narrow area because there's such a, a glorious variety there. Exactly. And Sebastian, that's why we wanted to invite you onto Girls on Film, because we normally, generally just have female guests, but we really, truly feel that you make fantastic films about women. If I come back to Emma a bit in terms of the inspirations for the novel, um, I'm curious to know what you discovered about the phenomenon of fasting girls and if one case in particular inspired the book. Yeah, back in, you know, I've written a lot of historical fiction and often about peculiar little freakish cases. Um, Sometimes it seems to me that a, a very odd or statistically unlikely phenomenon can actually illustrate a much broader point about the society that it's part of. So yeah, back in the late 90s, I'd come across the case of Sarah Jacob in Wales. And in her case, uh, she was, you know, one of many of these fasting girls over the centuries. But the difference is that, you know, the media got involved. The, I, I think the Times newspaper hired nurses to watch her. And under that scrupulous surveillance, she starved to death while everybody was watching. And, and I found it such a horrifying case, you know, and so utterly sad. I think they sent the father to jail afterwards. They belatedly felt guilty about having let this happen. But I thought, that's too sad a case. I can't write about that one. But I remained interested and kept an eye out for these cases. And finally, in the early 2000s, I thought I could do a fictional case, which, which I, would, I would shape um, according to my interests. And I have to set it in Ireland, because in Ireland, the, the post-famine legacy has made um, the question of, of food so fraught. You know, um, the, the, I remember as a young Catholic being encouraged to kind of, you know, offer it up, you know, like give up chocolate for Lent and offer that up. The idea that Jesus would be made pleased by us not eating. You know? um, so, yeah, I thought the Irish context was the one that would work best for me and that a fictional story would allow me to bring in the most interesting elements from, from many of these cases. Anna is in danger. She's an actress. She's chosen. Are you feeling well in yourself, Anna? Very well, Father. Thank you. What right does a stranger have to come between a child and his people? I'm here to find out the truth. Sebastian, I mean, in terms of the casting of the nurse, Florence Pugh obviously seems so so perfect and is, is, is absolutely amazing in this. 
What qualities were you looking for for the person who were going to play this character? We, um, when we finished the script, it's really when we started thinking, okay, who could we, you know, call, who could channel Lib Wright? And then, of course, we thought of Florence. And um, I, knew, I, knew, I knew her films and I, I knew that she could, you know, first of all, carry a film through. And um, she has this extremely magnetic presence that I think it comes from a real integrity that she has as a person. She's extremely confident. And I think those things that are inherent to her are naturally transmitted to the roles she plays. And here, as a woman of science, you know, in a way, a very modern woman for the times, a nightingale, you know, that, that had to confront all these men, all this intellectual rigidity, you really needed, I, I thought the one that really needed a, a, a strong warrior-like woman at the center. And another thing that the, 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 the script has, I think, is, uh, is that we follow uh, Lib in her intellectual process of trying to connect the dots and uncover whatever is happening, the hoax, if it's there any hoax or what's ominous behind it all, whatever. She's trying to, to understand because she, she never really thought that it was a miracle, maybe, maybe. And so um, the capacity to make your thoughts palpable for the viewer, which is a complete cinematic illusion. And Florence has that, has that capacity to create a strong bond, a strong intimacy with the viewer. When she's confronted with the moral dilemma of what to do after the, the truth is revealed, then it becomes not, not so much a rational challenge anymore, but really a moral dilemma. How to save her, how far to go, and um, even when she's doing the wildest things for that girl, when she's doing acts that, are, to say the least, are morally complex, we are still on her side because of Florence's, you know, integrity and because she has allowed us to walk by her side step by step, and that's a testament to Florence. And it's, it's not a given, you know, you really need a great actress to, to, to generate that, that connection. I totally agree. And, but also you mentioned that you were working together on the script there, and I'd love to know a little bit more about the conversations you had in developing that character who I think subverts quite a lot of the kind of female characters that we do see in period films. Well, one thing we were concerned about was that the book has a, an element of the plot which you could call romantic, the nurse and mm. the journalist. And romance tends to be so something that the cinema audience gets so fast. As soon as two beautiful people, especially two beautiful people of the opposite sex, were sort of like, oh yeah, them, zing. So we really worked to not let it become a traditional romance. And we knew the journalist role would be really important, but I think in, in casting, for instance, we just didn't want to go for the obvious connections. So, you know, Tom Burke's handsomeness, we did our best to disguise with big, um, 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 what you call them, sideburns, for instance. And we, we just, yeah, di didn't, didn't go for the sort of obvious, here comes the big romance. And, and that was something we were very concerned about. And another was we didn't want the ending to be, to be too sappy. I don't want to give any details, but we, we discussed many variations on mm. that ending, didn't we? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, none of this is a conventional story. And we really didn't want to let down the extraordinary character of Lib by providing her with either a, an obvious and easy romance or an obvious and easy happy ending. I really liked that about it. I liked that I really had no idea where that 
relationship or whatever it was was going to go between those and it just felt very real as a result and I, I love that um could I ask I mean this hopefully not too much of a spoiler but um Florence's character obviously you know is an independent woman she does have a sex life did you use an intimacy coach yes we did and I found it really um really helpful and um I think it, it facilitated the conversation and uh and it was a really good thing to have, you know. Um, and I actually believe that scene. It's a short <laughs> scene, but I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we discussed it a lot, you know, and between the four of us. Um, of course, we wrote it and, uh, and it's not about rewriting things. It's about finding the common nomenclature and the safe space. So if anyone feels uncomfortable for any reason, there's always a third party that could be, you know, um, called... And I think that that, that, that that can only be good, you know. Um, then, you know, the director is there to protect the integrity of, of the film and uh, each film has different needs. I think there's an illusion that intimacy coordinators are sort of like police, you know. They, they forbid you to do things, but actually they create such a relaxed setting that you're more likely to be able to try things because you're not embarrassed. Mm-hmm. So um, a play of mine had an intimacy coordinator and the actors all said, oh, it's so great. She, she made us so at ease with each other that we were able to do far more and more playfully and suggest things and it didn't have to be the same every time. So it was like having someone to teach you a number of dances, you know. It actually broadened the possibilities instead of making you feel scolded. We have to talk um, about Keela Lord Cassidy. She's so incredible in this. I felt like there were certain scenes where I was I was terribly moved and, and gripped and thinking she's going to get all the awards. Um, who, Sebastian or Emma, would you like to speak a little bit about her? Well, we were casting the film during COVID. And uh, of course, once Florence said yes, I knew we had a film. Uh, we just needed to find the girl. <laughs> and I thought, why do I do this? Why do I repeatedly write films yeah. that are completely contingent on finding the one perfect child? Again. <laughs> and there are not that many of them. You uh-huh. know, there are far more superb adult actors than there are children of this age. And, the, and that, by the mm. way, they have to be great in a very confined space. And have to be able to do an Irish accent and be the right age and everything. <laughs> so the thing is that we, um, there was an, a casting agency uh, specifically for that mission here in Ireland and they were um, looking for girls all over the country and I was back then in Chile um, receiving tapes and tapes and tapes I think we saw I don't know a hundred and I was starting to become a bit nervous because the date of starting shooting was approaching and I was like we need and you can't cast children years in advance either you exactly. know because they need to be just the right age so it's nerve-wracking it's so important but you can only really do it at the last minute but that 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 was kind of like the most specific and difficult factor because it's a window in a girl's life that probably lasts six months before yeah. before you know a girl starts turning into a, a, a young adolescent so we needed a great actress that could do the Irish accent, uh, that could go through all the artistic challenges and, and the nuances of the emotional spectrum that she had to visit. Fascinating enough to make us believe that she has the entire community fascinated because of her sacrifice or what she's doing. Uh, that could be a miracle, uh, that could cope with an actress at the level of Florence. So it wasn't easy. And then, but then we saw Keila Lord Cassidy's tape and um, I was, I literally, I was, I was uh, speechless when I saw it. Because 
She was 11 years old, old when she recorded it. And the level of commitment, first of all, and second, a natural, deep, deep understanding of the character. So it was really, really moving to see that tape. And then I understood that she was the daughter of Elaine Cassidy. So it was like, well, maybe Elaine could play the mother. And so... I was so glad we hadn't already cast the mother because that was such a exactly, perfect double, exactly. double casting. But no, I mean, it was really a blessing to have her. And uh, I think she's one of the gems, you know, of the film. Oh, completely. I mean, it hinges on her in many respects. And she really, she's so compelling. I wanted to ask about the male characters, uh, because obviously the lead roles go to women and supporting roles go to a number of high profile male actors like Toby Jones and Kieran Hines, who are excellent as always. Now, I've heard it can be quite hard to get major male actors to play smaller roles in female-led projects. Is that true? And if so, yeah. <laughs> they have to want to work with the director. I think the reason you get someone like uh, Kieran Hines, you know, lining up to do a really a tiny role as the priest in The Wonder is because it's about it's a Sebastian Lelio flick. You know? mm, I mean, th- thank you for saying that. But, but also I think, I mean, the script and the story had the capacity to summon all this great talent because we were really lucky to have them all. And also I would say, um, as much as I got to know them, they were all very sensitive men that could understand, you know, what the story was about and that in this case, you know, there was something almost like beautiful about being a supporting actor for a story that is not about them, you know. Yeah, these are not sort of beefcake heroes, you know. They, they exactly. all play interesting, quirky <laughs> roles. I mean, I, I love to say, you know, David Wilmot in Station Eleven recently, so Brian O'Byrne, um, they're a fascinating lineup um, and all so different. And I, that series of scenes in the film um, where they're all in, in that kind of barn-like structure interrogating the nurse, um, mm. it's just a, a masterclass in acting. The watch is to last two weeks. We are proposing eight-hour shifts. There is to be no conferring between the two of you. On the 14th day, you will each present your separate testimony. May I ask, gentlemen, no one has told me what precisely is wrong with the girl. Anna O'Donnell doesn't eat. How long exactly has it been since the last time the girl ate? Four months. That's impossible. I wanted to talk briefly about Alice Birch and um, talk to me about her role and, and, and how she got involved after you were both been working on the script. Yeah, well, Alice joined the process somewhere like in the middle, maybe, of the, of the process. And because I am uh, from Chile and English is not my native language, as you can hear. Also, of course, I'm not a woman. It seemed important to have, you know, a, a young woman uh, in the mix, too, that could that could. Uh, bring some, you know, vital sparkles and and, uh, especially with, uh, I thought she made a really great contribution in terms of kind of like um, making the dialogue honor the time, but at the same time giving it a sort of sharpness that can be feel very modern too. I mean, I I really love Alice and I think she was a super important part of of of, of, of the mix. And of course, she'd scripted Lady Macbeth, um, and so she'd worked with Florence before. And um, I think Irish audiences in particular will have loved her work on Normal People. So yeah, I thought I thought she brought in a, a lovely sort of breath of the contemporary. It's a wonderful collaboration, clearly. 
I mean, Emma, when it's all done and you're sitting back and you're watching the film for the first time, I know you've been here before with Room, but how does it feel to see that story, that book that you wrote on the screen? Is, is, is it still exciting? Is it surreal? How does it feel? Oh, it's thrilling. I'm like, oh, will the girl die? <laughs> you suspend that disbelief over and over. And, you know, that, that's, that's um, one thing the film is about. And each time you're utterly gripped. Um, no, it's, it's thrilling. And it's funny, people often ask me questions that seem to assume that I'll be sort of prowling around the set looking for mistakes, you know, or, or giving final bits of advice. You know? But the idea that, you know, say the costume designers who know everything about 19th century costume, as well as the sort of emotional arc of each character, the idea that they'd need my advice on the colour of a shawl is laughable. And the same with, say, the production design. They did, did things like um, going inside the, the Jeannie Johnston famine ship here on the Liffey and doing drawings and photographs of every angle of those cabins. So in a way, someone like me, yes, I, I invented the world of the book, but then it's been handed on to all these collaborators who are such experts in their own field. So I'm just a fan again by the time I'm, I'm wandering around um, a set. You know, I'm thrilled by every, you know, new, new interesting prop that they've come up with and um, which was never in the book um, or every, uh, you know, subtlety of, you know, the, the nun's costume. So many things I wouldn't have pictured myself. And now, of course, I'll never be able to see it any other way. You know, if I read the book again, it'll be just <laughs> replaying Sebastian's really? film in my head. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. But you know what? Um, filmmaking, it can be quite brutal. The process of making a film is very physical, it's very um, muscular. So, um, and I'm quite obsessed with sets and the, I think creating a set is, is the part of the art that is never mentioned, but the beauty of a set is everything. And in this case, I think there was something to connect to your question about the great male supporting actors, because it's a story about women and that there was something, something contagious about it. And the set is the most precise, delicate set I've ever been able to be part of. I'm very proud of what we created in terms of the energy of the set. And it's all probably coming from, you know, the, the, the story that we were telling. And it required a certain carefulness and respect. And the fact that Ari Wegner, the cinematographer, is a woman, uh, was there very close to the, the actresses, you know, um, talking to them. I think all that contributed to, to, to create a set that I, that I will, you know, cherish because Now, the next film I do, I want, I want the same again. I want the same type of uh, safe and playful and, yeah, delicate uh, I think you ambience. and Ari formed an extraordinary working relationship. You'd never met before, am I mm. right? Um, I, think, I think perhaps Ed Guiney of Element is, is very good at, these, at this matchmaking. You know, he brings together people like me and Sebastian who don't know each other and and then strike wonderful sparks. And similarly with you and Arian, every time I asked the crew sort of how it was going, hoping there'd be some gossip, you know, I mean, days on set are long. <laughs> and each time they would say like, oh, it's all going so smoothly and peacefully because Sebastian and Ari have walked around every corner of these hills and have already decided on the perfect angle. And so there's a great sense of serenity and there being enough time for everything. I remember once I turned up and they were filming Neve Algar, Uh, doing one scene and I thought didn't we do this already yesterday in a different location and they said to me yes we had extra time so we thought we'd try it in a different place so you know it wasn't the the tyrannical noisy stressful set you would expect you and Ari just seemed to have a wonderful process which um constructed every scene like it's an old master painting Oh, it's, it looks absolutely gorgeous. And, it, and that, that harmony that you guys have had together obviously comes through on screen. Um, is there anything else you wanted to talk about with the girls on film listeners before I let you go? 
Could I just briefly say, I remember somebody on Twitter saying like, ooh, that film better not promote eating disorders. And you know, there is actually a re very real danger that if you, if you make a sort of mystical and, and you know, almost worshipful story about a girl who's claiming not to eat, that you could contribute to that. So as a corrective, I think the film does a superb job of in particular showing Florence Pugh eating. There are, I think I counted eight different scenes you see her tucking into bowls of stew. And you know, it's not at the level of, of her dialogue or preaching or anything. You literally see her choosing life. You see her stomping over the hills in muddy skirts. She's just a, a, a visual symbol of, 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 you know, choosing to take part in life in, in all her bodily glory. I love that. Thank you, Emma. Thank you and Sebastian so much for joining us on Girls on Film. It really has been such a pleasure to speak to you. Best of luck with the wonder. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you for having us. You can catch The Wonder on Netflix now. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Lydia Scott, audio editor Nick Wassell and intern Ellie Hardy. Thanks to our partners for this episode, Netflix. See you soon. Will you help me?